Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and this is Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. This recording is for October the 29th, and today we find ourselves uh, in Acts chapter number 26. So we're getting pretty close to the end. There's only 28 chapters in the book. But last time we got together, we find Paul... Uh, telling the story of his conversion uh, before Agrippa. Now, bear in mind, Paul was arrested in Jerusalem. Uh, he was first gave account of himself to Lysias, who thought he was an Egyptian insurrectionist. Then Paul requests permission to address the mob, if you will, the Jews, um, the unbelieving Jews. And as he attempts to do this, he begins to share his testimony on the Damascus Road, and then he arrives at, and God told him to leave to go to the Gentiles. And the Bible says, at this word, he lost them. They went crazy, arrest him. Uh, they wanted to kill him. Um, and then Lysias, still a little doubtful about who Paul was, brings him before the council. And, of course, this council was made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. And Paul, perceiving that, decides to pit them against each other because he knew that the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, afterlife, spirit world, and the Sadducees did not. So he brings up the issue of the resurrection. And, of course, when he does that, the Pharisees side with him and the Sadducees side against him. And of course, it come, it turns into another mob, and Lysias has to um, extract him, if you will. And then Paul finds himself in front of Felix, the governor. And Paul there gives a defense for himself. Felix quickly surmises that this has nothing to do with Roman civil law. It's in regards to the Jews' superstition, as he called it. And then, of course, Felix is replaced by Festus. And Paul, again, gives account of himself to Festus, the new governor. And, of course, Festus, wanting to appease the Jews, says, well, why don't we go back to Jerusalem? They were down in Caesarea. Why don't we go back to Jerusalem and, and have, a, have a trial there? Now, bear in mind, Felix and Festus knew that Paul had done nothing wrong that was in violation of Roman law. They were merely politicians. Um, my son told a joke one time, poly meaning many, ticks meaning blood-sucking leeches. Uh, that's what they were. And, of course, there's some background there that Josephus talks about in regards to the wars of the Jews that started around... I don't know, 66, 68, that went to about 73. So there was a lot going on. The Jews were a very hard people to uh, control. And uh, Felix had failed. We know historically that Festus failed. He was replaced by two other governors. And, of course, the War of the Jews broke out, um, which, of course, culminated in 70 A.D., uh, when uh, Titus uh, came in and basically destroyed Jerusalem. Um, so then Festus uh, finds out about Agrippa, 
and he takes Paul before Agrippa. And Festus, he begins to recount the whole story about what happened to Paul, and he's appealed himself to Caesar because he doesn't want to go back to Jerusalem to stand trial. And I'm going to look pretty funny because I don't have anything to write to Caesar for why we would be sending this man with an appeal to him. So Agrippa listens. And of course, Agrippa arrives at the same conclusion that this is a matter of the Jews' superstition. It has nothing to do with Roman law. So today we find ourselves still in front of Agrippa. And we talked about he's speaking. And then in uh, chapter number 12, uh, not chapter number 12, in verse number 12, uh, Agrippa is, uh, is still listening to Paul's testimony. And let me get there. Uh, chapter 26, verse number 12. Um, and I persecuted them whereupon I was sent. There we go. Whereupon I went to Damascus. So in 11 and 12, this is Paul sharing about his conversion experience on the Damascus road before uh, Agrippa. And Paul is saying, you know, these Jew, these people know that I was born among them. Uh, as of the sect, I was a Pharisee. Uh, I sought about punishing those who followed the way, this guy, Jesus of Nazareth. In verse number 11, I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. In other words, Paul is saying, I persecuted these followers of Jesus of Nazareth. And as I mentioned last time, he persecuted them. He rounded them up in the synagogues. They, just like Paul, after his conversion on the road to Damascus in chapter 9, even throughout the remainder of the book of Acts, continued to worship in the synagogues and in the temple. Uh, and the interesting thing to me there is that why? Because Paul and the believing Jews who had responded positively to the kingdom message were still very much under the Mosaic law. And that's why Paul, when, excuse me, he's being accused of not preaching the law of Moses, not uh, encouraging uh, the Jews to have their children circumcised uh, and uh, encouraging them to not walk in the in the the customs of the Jews. Paul is defending himself, saying, "No, I have never taught against the law of Moses. I have never taught the Jews that they should not get their children circumcised. I have never taught that they should not walk in the customs." Why would Paul say that unless it was true? Paul did not to the Jews preach against those things. What they had heard was Paul preaching to the Gentiles, which was the grace gospel that he had received somewhere, I believe, around Acts chapter number 13 in regards to mere belief for a personal individual salvation. And they thought he was teaching that to the Gentiles, and he wasn't. There's no way you can read the book of Acts. And of course, I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm 54 years old. I've been in the ministry 30 plus years. And it seems like only a year and a half ago, my eyes were open. So I'm not going to sit here and say no way, because there is a way, because I did it. But I mean, it's just hard for me to believe that I didn't see that clearly Paul preached two Gospels and that the book of Acts is a transitional book. 
that's happening here. Now, eventually, Paul will only preach one gospel, the gospel of grace. But in the book of Acts, he is still very much preaching the two gospels, um, kingdom gospel to the Jews and initially kingdom gospel even to the Gentiles so that they could proselytize and come in um, to the Jewish faith. But then after he received the gospel of grace, the mystery that was hidden, he began to preach an individual salvation by, by grace and grace alone, by simply believing. And of course, he preached that to the Gentiles. And eventually, he would preach it to both Gentile and Jew. Once he came to revelations that the Jewish nation had been postponed until the body of Christ is removed in what he calls the rapture, and then God will once again deal with the nation of Israel. I know that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot to put in a sentence, but if you've been listening along, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Then in verse number, number 13, um, well, verse number 11, he said, I persecuted them even under strange cities, whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. In other words, he's saying, you guys gave me permission to do it. You should know full well what I did and why I did it and when I did it and where I did it. You should know that. You, I went on your authority, tracking down these believing Jews that was following this Nazarene, the one that preached the way. You know full well what I did. And then in verse thir 13, he says, And at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me, and them that journeyed with me, and we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the prick. So once again, Paul is giving his testimony about his conversion on the Damascus Road. And we pick up something in this third version of his testimony that we'd never heard before, that the voice that spoke to him was in the Hebrew tongue. Of course, that should, that should, make, very, that should make a lot of sense. Um, so he says, this happened. This is what happened. He said, why, do you, why are you persecuting me? And then in verse 15, and I saw, and, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which you've seen, and of those things that I will appear unto thee. In other words, things that I will eventually reveal to you. In other words, Paul didn't get it all in one shot on the Damascus Road, but God continued to give Paul revelation after revelation. He, he gave Paul what we call progressive revelation. I don't see how you can read the Bible and not see progressive revelation there. That's clearly, Paul did not know things in Acts chapter number nine that he knew in Acts chapter number 13. He did not know things in Acts chapter number 13 or he, yeah, am I saying that right? He knew things in chapter number nine that he, well, what's the word I'm trying to say? I'm getting all confused here. There were things Paul did not know in chapter nine that he knew in chapter 13, which would have been the grace gospel. There were things that he knew in chapter number 13 that he did not know until he wrote the Pauline epistles, especially in regards to the postponement of the kingdom offer and 
um, the rapture of the church, for example. I mean, Paul didn't know that in 13. Paul didn't know that in chapter number nine. So that's called, by definition, progressive revelation. Paul had many revelations. And then in verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. So the message that was given for Paul to preach to them was to turn them from darkness to light. And of course, who is them? The nation of Israel. Now, at first glance, it might be easy to conclude, like many, that Paul is talking about the grace gospel here. No, he can't be talking about the grace gospel because he didn't know the grace gospel on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter number nine. Okay, now it's easy to conflate the two because you see the word forgiveness there. Well, give, well forgiveness is common to both gospels. Matter of fact, the resurrection and belief in that resurrection is common to both gospels. But again, just because they're similar doesn't make them the same. And that'll become glaringly obvious when we get down to verse number 20, uh, when he says, but God showed unto them at Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. Now that's obviously not a grace gospel. We don't, the grace gospel doesn't teach repentance and turning to God and doing good works. We don't teach that. At least we're not supposed to be teaching that. Um, and then notice verse number 19. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus, and then those at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Um, so, Paul tells Agrippa that he did exactly what God had told him to do. And remember, Paul is still trying to defend the accusations that have been made against him, that he was teaching against the law of Moses. He was not. He is simply proving that since his conversion in Acts 9, he has been doing nothing but teaching the law of Moses' circumcision and the custom of the Jews. Okay, and then in verse 21, for this cause, for these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Now, again, Paul is stating that the reason the Jews are determined to kill him is because he was not only preaching the resurrection to the Jews, but he was preaching the resurrection to the Gentiles. You remember in Acts 22 20, and they listened to him until he said this word, and then they wanted him gone. They, the entire, everything that Paul is defending himself from right now is the resurrection. He was preaching the resurrection, and that is what the Jews did not like. That was the whole crux of the matter. Paul preached the resurrection. And understand, if Christ resurrected from the dead, then they killed the wrong guy. If Christ resurrected from the dead, he was indeed who he said that he was, which means they stand condemned. That is why it was so offensive to them. And in verse 22, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day. Now that help of God, I believe, was Lysias. When God provided Lysias to pull him out of danger several times. And I continue unto this day. Continuing doing what? 
the same thing that I did when I got in trouble the first time, <laughs> witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those things that, that the prophets and Moses did say should come. Okay, So Paul is saying, I, I'm not preaching anything but what Moses and the prophets said was going to happen. And remember that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies and the promises of the Old Testament that Moses and the prophets foretold in Deuteronomy 18, 15. And the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee and of thy brother like unto me. Unto him shall ye hearken. Moses foretold that someone would come, a prophet. You remember when John the Baptist came on the scene and they said, are you the prophet? He said, nope, it's not me. <laughs> it was Jesus. And then the prophets, they all foretold that this would happen. They foretold that he would grow up among them. They foretold, you know, that, that, that he he would die. They foretold that he would be resurrected. They foretold that the, through the Davidic and the, the Abrahamic covenants that this Messiah would come and deliver the nation of Israel. And Paul is saying, I'm, the only thing I'm doing is preaching exactly what Moses and the prophets taught. So Paul's message to the Jewish nation was well grounded in scripture. And then notice verse 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be first should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Remember that the Old Testament foretold of the suffering Christ rising from the dead to redeem the nation of Israel, who would then reach the Gentiles. That was plan A. God would use the Jew to reach the Gentiles after the Jews had accepted that kingdom gospel, he was going to restore the nation of Israel. He was going to bring about the kingdom. And yes, it would have happened if they would have just repented and accepted him as their Messiah. Christ would have brought in the kingdom and he would have used the Gentiles as, as priests to reach, not use the Gentiles, use the Jews as priests to reach the Gentiles. That was plan A. Uh, in Isaiah 42, behold my servant, whom I uphold mine elect, and whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit into him, and he will do what? He will bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Not just the Jew, but to the Gentile. Isaiah 49, num verse number six, and he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. God wanted to use the Jewish nation to reach, to be the light to the Gentiles, that they would be his salvation to the ends of the earth. In Isaiah 60, I mean, it's all through the Old Testament. How could we miss this? Arise and shine, for the light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. And it's replete. I'm just giving you some. 
Zechariah 8.23, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Understand, that was plan A. But sadly, this did not happen. The Jews rejected the king and the offer of his kingdom. And of course, the Great Commission uh, that I have come to understand that the Great Commission is Jewish. It's not for the body of Christ. The Great Commission happened in Matthew Chapter 28, verse number 19, when he told them, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father. Paul said, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. Paul didn't come preaching baptism. But under the kingdom gospel, baptism was required. You had to be baptized. You had to repent in order to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But under the grace gospel, we don't have to be baptized unless you conflate the kingdom and the grace gospels together and you're preaching that which is no gospel at all that the Apostle Paul told the Galatians about. So the great commission, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that wasn't directed to the body of Christ. That was directed to the Jews that has everything to do with the gospel of the kingdom, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. That's obedience to the law. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So the Great Commission is not for the body of Christ. The Great Commission was given to the apostles to preach the gospel of the kingdom to the Jewish nation. And then in verse number 25, And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Now bear in mind, Festus is an unbelieving Gentile. Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but I speak forth the words of truth and soberness. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. What I speak forth is truth and soberness. You know, I find it interesting that Festus blurts this out, that Paul was beside himself and that much learning had made him mad. Why did he blurt it out? I believe that as a Gentile, he thought that the very idea of the dead coming back to life was a little too much, let alone all these prophecies and hopes that were hanging on the event happening. So I think Festus was a little overwhelmed with it. And he said, you're crazy, Paul. You've been studying too much. And then in verse 26, for the king knoweth of these things, Paul says, before whom I speak freely, referring to Agrippa, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. Now Paul, relying on Agrippa's, I believe, Edomite past, says that he knows the things that I'm talking about. And Paul notes, these things were not done in a corner. Everybody knows about this. 
the whole world, the whole known world was aware that something was special about this man, Jesus. Now, next time we get together, we'll look at uh, verse number 27 and 28, where he says to King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. <laughs> and Agrippa said those famous words, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Why did he use the word Christian? Paul was preaching a kingdom gospel, not a grace gospel. We'll talk about that next time. God bless you. Have a great day. Remember, God loves you. What's best for you is working all things out for your good.